as a church, we've been in this resurrection series. So if you haven't been with us in the past few weeks, let me just catch you up. We've been following the life of Jesus. And as you probably know, Easter was last week. And we followed the life of Jesus three weeks ago, looking at the Garden of Gethsemane, the Last Supper. And then two weeks ago, we looked at the Saturday in between Jesus's death and his resurrection. And then last week, we were super predictable. We talked about Jesus resurrecting from the dead and the implications of that. Gosh, microphone. Anyway, we talked about the implications of that, what it means that Jesus did in fact resurrect from the dead. And you know, the story of the gospel is one of participation, right? It's one that God didn't stand at a distance, that he came to earth. And that in Matthew 6, when he taught us to pray, he said, hey, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And a question that kind of comes to mind is, would Jesus pray something he didn't plan on the Father answering, granting, right? So he tells us to pray, hey, would earth begin to resemble heaven? Would the realities of heaven begin to make their way into earth? And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, is is one of the, the implications of Jesus being alive is that it drastically changes how we maneuver in this earth, that we get to partner with God in seeing the realities of heaven infiltrate the earth. Does that make sense? Like, we want to see the realities of heaven come to earth. We're like heaven bearers to the world. And Today, we're going to just kind of sit on one of the implications, one of many implications of the reality that Jesus is, in fact, alive, okay? And so we're going to hone in on loving your neighbor, all right? Loving your neighbor. There's a few times that Jesus gets asked in his ministry, hey, what's most important? You're the son of God. What's important? What we got to remember? And Jesus responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, one. And then he would say something like, and the other one, the other command is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. He was like, in the same vein as loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you've been at Ethos for longer than a year, if you were at least here for last Easter, you may remember that the week after Easter, we often want to sit together as a church and go, hey, Jesus is alive. How can we participate in that reality? That he is alive, that he is among us, and that he wants to bless the world. And so in the past few years, we've done multiple things. In the, in the name of like loving your neighbor, which Jesus says is like the command to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. We've thrown block parties at Aiken Elementary. Was anybody at the block party at Aiken Elementary? Shout out. That was back in the doozy. Anyway, we threw block parties. Last year, we invited everyone or encouraged everyone to throw their own dinners or lunches and get to know their neighbors. And um, today, we're going to do something a little more hands-on in the here and now. And we're going to start by looking at this passage in Luke chapter 10. So if you've got a Bible... I want to invite you to turn to Luke 10. I think that's on page 506 if you're using one of our blue Bibles, okay? Luke chapter 10, page 506. We're going to read this story about the Good Samaritan, okay? Now, this story is full of beauty and wonderment and a bunch of just cool things. However, because we're going to spend a lot of our time doing some hands-on practical conversation, I'm going to reduce it to like two simple truths. And you're going to go, oh, there's got to be more to it than that. There is infinitely more to it. But for the sake of today and time, we're going we're gonna to breeze past it a little bit, okay? No, we're not going to breeze past it, but we're just going to look at a couple of important things when there's a lot of important things, okay? Are you guys with me right now? Yeah, let's go! All right, Luke chapter 10, um, verse 25 is where we'll start, okay? It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. Shout out my law students at Vanderbilt and Belmont. <laughs> saying... This is you talking in this passage, all right? 
teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Now, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise, all right? That's a good Samaritan. You probably heard it before. Um, maybe not. Welcome. It's a good story. So um, a couple of things. One, some very brief context, all right? Jesus is going to introduce this Samaritan man, and this is a, a shock and awe kind of moment for the people listening to him, okay? So there's this man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, assumed a Jewish man since he's leaving Jerusalem in Israel, right? And he falls among robbers. Not a great place to fall if you're going to fall, right, among robbers and thieves. And that's what happens, okay? And he gets beaten and left for half dead. So he's 50% alive at this point, right? It's not looking good. And then, come on, that was 50%. Anyway, um, <laughs> God. Uh, so then, good news though, a priest walks by, right? And that's gotta be great because if one of two people were gonna walk by, a paramedic or a priest, that'd be like good news. One of those two, what's well, a priest? But the priest instead walks by on the other side, which really stinks for this guy that fell among robbers and is half alive right now, right? Then a Levite walks by, or a Jewish brother, and he walks by, sees him, continues to walk. Then Jesus really pulls the shock and awe factor. He says, then a Samaritan walks by. Now, if you know anything about Samaritans and Jews, their relationships are, are, are not doing so hot, all right? There's a lot of racial tension, all right? The Jewish people saw the Samaritan people as unholy, as unclean. In fact, if Jews were traveling, a lot of times they would travel around Samaria if it stood in their way, two or three days extra travel just to avoid being in the stench of the city. That's what they thought about Samaritans. And Jesus goes, the Samaritan is the one that stops and helps this Jewish man out, brings him to an inn, makes sure he is taken care of and says, I'll come back and I'll repay whatever I owe. So this is an amazing story. Now, out of this amazing story, we're not gonna dig into a lot of the complexities and the beauty. I just wanna reveal two simple truths, okay? So, uh, I'm not even revealing them, they're blatantly obvious, all right? So, Jesus is telling this story, why? Because he tells, the man says, hey, the most important commands are loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. But then he asks Jesus a question, who is my neighbor? And I relate to this question so hard, right? Because when you think about it, we always like to put limits when someone says, love your neighbor. That feels too broad. Jesus gets specific, because I'm not supposed to love everybody, right? So, like, who are you talking about? Like, I remember growing up, and I got told to clean my room, and I was like, 
what part of my room, you know? You mean like make my bed? Is that what you mean by clean my room? It's like, no, clean your whole room, right? But I, I wanna put limits on it. Or I remember when I worked at a car lot, there was like 50 to 60 cars that I had to wash one day a week. And that's not even that much, but it wore me out. And whenever Keith, my boss, shout out Keith Allred, Mayfield, Kentucky, Allred Motors, which is actually no longer an establishment, RIP. Anyway, it's good news. He's actually a church planner. It's great. Anyway, this has gone too far. Um, so uh, he would tell me to wash all the cars and I would always be like, you want me to wash the ones on the front row where everyone can see it or wash the ones on the side lot? Those are the cheaper ones and they, they're kind of the dark horse of the car lot. Let me just wash those, make them look better, right? I always wanted to put limits. That's what this guy's doing. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's a really important command. Well, then who is my neighbor? And to, to really paraphrase, to reduce down Jesus' story, your neighbor is two things. One, whoever is in your path, right? Why was the Samaritan a neighbor? Because he saw someone hurt. That's it. That validated the neighboring relationship, right? He saw someone in the path. And then two, at the very end, Jesus says, which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor? And the answer was the one who showed him mercy, all right? So secondly, whoever is showing mercy or even receiving mercy, that's a neighbor, okay? And I think this is important because mercy is a two-way street, all right? So we're about to have a conversation all about neighboring, and we're gonna try to get really practical and think about our everyday lives. And if we're not careful in our culture of like service initiative, go out and serve, go out and do, 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 we'll turn it into a, I'm always doing something for someone else. And the whole point of this conversation in neighboring and loving your neighbor is building real like friendships, all right? Like real relationships. And in relationship, mercy is not a one-way street, right? You can show mercy, you can also receive mercy. So just because we're having this conversation, it's not going, hey, you're not above or below receiving mercy. So there's gonna be moments when you're neighboring with someone where you're gonna give mercy, where you're gonna show love, but there's also gonna be moments where you receive it. That's an important preface. We'll unfold that, we'll, uh, we'll tackle that more as we keep going. At the end of this, Jesus says, you go and do likewise, all right? So there's this big blue banner back there that says, love God, love people, awaken a movement. The church has long been identified by going and doing likewise, loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving our neighbors. And yet, when I, at least for me, I don't wanna speak for you guys, when I take personal inventory on my own life, neighboring is just not a thing I'm super into, if I'm being honest. Like, whoever's in my path, that's just not a thing. And I think there's a couple of reasons for this. So before we dive into a practical exercise where we go, hey, how can we help each other neighbor better? Um, I wanna address some tensions. One, there's the tension that this man felt. Who is my neighbor? Like, God, when you tell me to love people, how many people are we talking? Like eight? Like 12? Like, what's my limit, right? That's the first tension we feel is, who's my neighbor? Let me just figure that out and then I'll get to loving him. Jesus addresses that with whoever's in your path, whoever's showing mercy. But the second tension that I think it lies underneath all of this is just straight up fear, right? Like just unadulterated, just pure fear, right? Because forming new friendships, the thought of, the minute I said, hey, we're gonna talk about a practical way to love your neighbor. We're gonna bring out this book, gonna pass it out. Some of us, maybe not, but I would assume if I was in that chair, I'd be like, oh my goodness, like I'm not looking to add to my social circle, right? Like I'm not looking to have conversations with people I don't have commonality with or that I don't know yet. It sounds terrible. I remember when I moved to North Carolina in fourth grade, I moved to a brand new school in the middle of spring. So everyone's already in their groove. 
All the fourth graders know who they're eating lunch with, know who they're rocking with, and I show up like all with the afro, like, man, this is crazy. And uh, I remember the first day there, I walked up to the kickball field, and I love kickball, and it was really hard for me because I didn't know any of them, but I really wanted to play. And uh, I was very good at kickball. I always did the strategy where uh, you like kick it three feet, and it's too far from the catcher and too far from the pitcher, and you get to first, and you're like, ah, I outsmarted you. You, you scattered me out. I realized I didn't have a lot of leg power, but I had strategy. Anyway, that's what I did in kickball. Gosh. Um, so anyway, I, I remember I showed up at the kickball field, and I had two options. I had a plethora of people that I could get to know, right? Or I could sit over here in like a very quiet, isolated, lonely place. And it is amazing how when you're presented with those two options, the obvious answer feels like, oh, be social, get to know some people, but how easy the second one is. I'm like, no, I'm just going to sit over here until someone feels bad enough for me and comes and talks to me, right? And in that moment, I think it reveals like a human tendency when we're faced with the option of creating new relationships, unless you're like pursuing somebody and you're like attracted to them, it's easy to just opt out, right? Maybe you've been on a blind date and felt the tension of awkward conversation trying to create something out of nothing. That can be awful. I've never been on a blind date. My sympathies to you that have, unless it went well, congratulations. That's incredible. But establishing a new relationship is simply hard, right? But I think there's more fears that come with this. So one of the fears that I have, when we're talking about, okay, Jesus says, it's most important, I love God with all of me, and I love my neighbor. One of the fears I have is success. If I love my neighbor, and it actually works, and we actually become friends, I'm like, what am I supposed to do now? I got another friend. I wasn't looking for friends. I was feeling pretty good over here. My house is my haven. I don't want to know my neighbor. If I know my neighbor, I might not be able to be at home and have my privacy, right? Like, I don't want more relationships. Or maybe one of the fears that you feel that I definitely have felt is the, the fear of just time, margin. Like, I don't need any help. I don't know if you guys need help being busier. I do not need help being busier, right? So one of the fears I have is, God, I don't have space for this. I can't just add more relationships to my life. And there's a deeper conversation there about priorities and organization and you know, knowing your calendar, all that stuff. But I don't know where you're at. But I know that fears oftentimes can, uh, can um, what's the word? Maybe strangle, I don't know. Fears can prevent us from stepping into obedience. But I, I remember back in Nehemiah 2, a few months ago, do you remember that story where Nehemiah goes before the king and he's gonna ask on behalf of the Israelite people, I wanna rebuild the city of Jerusalem? It's actually a super bold request at the time. And in that moment, he feels fear. And we talked about how, man, fear is really tricky because it never lets you in on the hope of a situation. It never lets you in on the potential good news, right? It only tells you why not to do something. This could be awkward, this could be terrible, this could work, and then what do you do, right? That's fear. Hope goes, hey, the nation of Israel could be restored. The city of Jerusalem could be rebuilt, as in the book of Nehemiah. Hey, new relationships could be formed. Hey, God could really produce fruit here. But fear never lets you in on that. And so we as a church go, instead of just saying, hey, let's love our neighbor super well, good luck, how can we walk together, embrace some of the fears, the challenges, and the hopes, and walk together in having this conversation about us just simply recognizing who is in our path? So we've created this resource that I'm going to have his hand out where, yes, Lindy, can you help me? That'd be awesome. Um, give it up for Lindy. She's our volunteer coordinator. What's up? Here's these. Um, we're going to pass out these little books that we're going to walk through. I don't know if I gave you guys enough. 
here. We'll just like, you guys can like have these over right here. There you go. They'll get around, they'll get around. So we're passing out these very handy, very nifty, very convenient little books, okay? They're amazing. They look like, um, is it compact notebooks? What Composition, gosh. Uh, they look like composition notebooks. I knew what that was before I asked you. Um, these, little, these compact composition notebooks, perfect, as they're called now, rebranded by Ethos Church. Um, yeah. Um, and all right, you're being greedy. You're already looking through them, which fine. We're going to walk through it, but go ahead. Uh, get ahead of the game. You can, talk, you can teach me about it. Um, so we're going to look through this. And I just want to preface before we open this, while we open this book and read through it, um, this is basically going, hey, how do you be a friend? Like, it's, like it's, it's so funny. As I was thinking about the conversation this week, I'm like, this is hilarious. We're going to sit down with our church, and we're going to go, hey, how do you talk to people? <laughs> like, pretty hard, isn't it? Like, you know? But the truth is, when I look at my own life and, like, my neighboring impulses, like, typically I got my circle, my squad of people. They don't live around me. We do the same things together. We have a lot of commonality. And I'm actually never talking to the physical neighbors I have, right? And it feels unnatural to and so sometimes when something feels unnatural and it should feel organic, we have to put some intentionality into our lives to help that thing feel organic once again, right? So like right now, it doesn't feel organic or natural for me to talk to my neighbors. And this honestly feels kind of weird. It's like, I'm not like a robot. I don't need like a six-step plan to talk to people. However, sometimes when it's not already a rhythm in your life, it, you need something like this to help you have eyes and awareness for what's around you. So that's kind of the point of this book. It's a launching pad. It's to help you have eyes. So let's go ahead and walk through this book together, all right? So on page number one, you'll see where it says, let's get started. It said, okay, it's time to start thinking. But before you dive right in, invite God into this journey. The best plans and ideas are always led by our Heavenly Father. Maybe say a simple breath prayer as you get started. Breathe in and say in your mind, Father God, then breathe out and say, meet me here. Or come up with your own. We believe in you. Get creative, be brave, trust God. That's awesome. Put that on a t-shirt. We believe in you. Get creative, be brave, trust God. So right off the bat, at the beginning of this book, there's this instruction, there's this encouragement to pray, to be with God. Because Honestly, one of the fears I have is that I'll turn this book into like a project and that I'll go and talk to everybody so I can just check it off my list and I'll miss the whole point. The point of this is relationship and friendship. So before we do that, before we turn it into a project, it's like pray to God. So if you're thinking about your neighborhood, your school, where you work, places, like remember just to pray for your own heart, for compassion, for love, so that you don't accidentally turn this into just like an action-only kind of item, okay? So next page, page two. The first step, who is your neighbor? The first step is identifying your neighbor. This might be someone that lives next door or in your neighborhood, but it also might be someone you work with, parentheses, or go to school with, parentheses, interact with, or see on a regular basis. Take a moment to think about who's around you. Use questions on the next, next page, okay? So you'll see on page three, this is where you can begin brainstorming. There's a couple of different categories. Who lives near you? That's a great, that's a great start. Who's just around you? Or you might think about who you work with or go to school with. Or who do you see when you play, like at the gym, a favorite restaurant, a library, a park, etc. okay? And then after that, we got kind of a choose your adventure vibe, right? You choose your door. At the bottom, it says, 
Hey, if you're wanting to look at someone that lives near you or start thinking about your neighborhood, go to page seven. Or your workplace, page 11. Or plays near you, page 15. For now, for the example's sake, we'll go to page seven. So let's say we're talking about our neighborhood. So flip over to page six and seven. And I wanna read this paragraph, it's in italics, all right? Paying attention in the place you live. The following questions are meant to help you identify natural ways you can love and serve the people who live near you. Keep in mind there may be things you need and some relationships may start by asking for help from someone else. Some questions won't apply to you, so just skip over them, okay? So if I had to put a word to these questions, it'd be this is a great way to gather community inventory, all right? I had to do inventory once at a coffee shop. It's basically where I just became aware of all of our supplies, all right? Community inventory is where you become aware of your surroundings. These questions are just helping you understand what's around you, all right? So there was a moment, uh, actually this week, which just ironically in good timing from the Lord, but I was driving and I saw where a tree had fallen in my neighbor's front yard and literally landed on their SUV and shattered the right side every window. It was awful. And I was able to go and help them, right? It's like my awareness, that's inventory. Okay, there's a need there. I'm gonna go and get to know my neighbors and also help them out, right? That's a good example. So being aware, hey, who has kids? Who has dogs? Things like that. You can read the questions, okay? So this is just helping you grow in awareness. Grow in awareness. And then one more page I wanna show you on the back, page 16, very back of the booklet. There's a place for you to journal some ideas that you come up with, but at the bottom in that italics, it says, we'd love to know how this goes for you. If you'd like to share any stories of loving your neighbors with us, visit ethoschurch.org slash love your neighbor and fill out the form. We're praying for you, praying that God would show his kindness, grace, and love through you as you naturally live and go, okay? So this booklet is designed to simply launch you, to help increase your awareness of what's around you. Because the truth is God, it's like as essential as it is to love him with our heart, soul, strength, and mind, he says, love your neighbor. Like, know the people around you. Know who's in your path. Show mercy. So this is just to get this conversation going. And so for the next few minutes, I'm going to invite us to turn to page two, where it says, hey, write down some names. And I'm just going to give us some time to actually do this, to choose one of the three, whether it's your neighborhood, whether it's the place you work or go to school, whether it's a gym or park or wherever else, and begin writing down, who do I know? Who do I see frequently? The thing I love about this conversation is at first glance, this feels completely inconvenient. I already got my social circles. I already got everything I need, right? It's like it kind of exposes where my heart's at. But when you think about it, it's actually asking the places you already go, who do you know? Be aware of them, okay? So let's take five minutes. Just take some time to write these names down, who you know. We're gonna play some music. I'll come back up in like three to five minutes and we'll keep moving forward, okay? Just to, just to update you on what I have written down, so if there's any potential, you're like, oh man, I don't know names, or I must not be doing this right. I have written down, man with plastic bag, because there's a guy that walks around with a plastic bag every morning at like 6.30 a.m. I don't know what the bag is for. There's no dog. Manny, I met a guy named Manny. Couple with a baby. There's an elderly woman that lives right beside me. There's a guy with a dog in the front of our house. He's always playing fetch with him. Haven't gotten to know him yet. That's the kind of stuff I'm writing down, all right? I'm just trying to be aware of my neighborhood. So if you're like, man, I don't even know names, I'm like, yeah, that's my first step. I need to like get to know people. So um, no shame, no shame. We'll give that 30 more seconds. All right. 
I'll bring your attention back to the front. So we're about to break into communion, um, and we're going to have some discussion. So in the past few weeks, we've done individual reflection, but if you've been with us for a few months, um, one of the things that I love doing is inviting us to circle up our chairs and talk with each other, what's going on in our hearts, because the truth is God's moving in you, like he's moving in you just like he's moving in all of us, and um, I think there's power when we share together what we're feeling, Um, but before I do that, I'd I'd like to address just some things that I'm feeling as we're talking through this, so um, first, I think what's important to realize is that we are not trying to like crank out spiritual robots here. That like you're just like a service initiative, go and love people and, and like evangelize to your neighborhood. Although those things can be beautiful and good. What we're really promoting here, and you can read more about it on page, I think page five, the point is relationship. Um, but what we're promoting here is just friendship. Like it's, it's a command of God and it's a cool command because he's just encouraging us to know people and have compassion for people and love people. It's a really good thing. Um, and something I think is important to remember because my heart for my neighborhood, obviously, I want to get to know people and love people. And I also want to show them God because God is incredible. He's like, great news. And I've been sitting with my house church um, for the past, like actually since last week, we started launching into this like missional mindset, like, man, how do we take the gospel to the world? And this past Monday, we just talked about God's renewal. And we took time to trace our own story. Where has God renewed you? Um, and we took time to remember. And I, just, I, I traced back my story and, and found some and, and thought through some places in my life that were just utter darkness, utter brokenness, that God has actually like really healed me from. Like really hard places, and I can give you specifics after this, we can talk about it, but really hard places that God has renewed me. And we did that to remember that we're not doing this to be like spiritual salesmen, trying to convince people to believe something um, or to see something. We're doing this, hopefully, because God has done a work in your heart. Like he's actually brought renewal to your life and around your life, and that is worth like letting that, uh, I guess, work itself out as we love other people. So I just want to guard against um, feeling like this is a checklist, feeling like this is like awkward or weird or not like natural relationship. Hopefully this is just an outworking of what God has done in you, okay? So there's a couple of questions that we're going to talk about at communion uh, that I'd love for y'all just to share with one another if you're comfortable with. You can circle up your chairs, make this your living room, make yourself at home. Um, If you're uncomfortable with it, totally cool. You can just Put your head down and close your eyes or stand in the back or just say, no, thank you. It's totally okay. Um, But if you're down, when you're thinking about this exercise, there's a few questions uh, or thinking about this book, there's a few questions I'd like for you to wrestle with. One, what are you scared of or what do you fear? Like when you think about something like this, being more intentional with neighbors, seeing people in your path, what do you fear, right? One of mine is like success. What if it works and I make new friends? I'm like, well, what happens to my other friends? Because my relational capital is like draining, right? It's like, that's something I fear that I'm wrestling with and I'm, I'm having to make sacrifices for. That's important. But two, what are you hoping for? And think practical. Don't just be like, man, I'm hoping I can love people well. It's like, yes, but what could be a good result of knowing your neighbors? Like, get practical. For me, it's like, man, I really want to get to know people that aren't just like predominantly white and 25. Like, that's my main friend group. And I'm like, my neighborhood is full of diversity. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been right in front of me this whole time. And I've been like checking Twitter hashtags, like whatever. So it's like, it's good. It's like right there in my neighborhood. So that's great. So that's something I'm hoping for. I want to build relationships with people that aren't like me. That's awesome. So, and then thirdly, what's a good first next, a good first step, first next step, a good first step. So what are you scared of? What do you fear in this? What are you hoping for? Uh, And then what's a good next step? So let's circle up our chairs if you're comfortable doing it. Talk through this. How do you feel? What's going on in your heart? Let's go for it. We'll talk for like eight minutes. Then we'll take communion together.